Coming up on the Sark Fighter podcast, a little bit about methotrexate and a lot of Sark patient Cheryl Bradford. What happened in my lungs, my skin, my eyes, my heart, my just got diagnosed that it's in my bones, and they're looking, they think it's in my eyes. Wow. So how do you... How does that affect your day-to-day life? Oh my gosh. Today, I'll be talking about methotrexate and some of the problems I'm having with it, and I'm curious about what problems you may have, side effects, that sort of thing. So I'll talk a little bit about that, and then we'll get right into our interview with Cheryl Bradford of Queens, New York, who has quite a case of sarcoidosis. Hi. I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter podcast. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome to the Sark Fighter Podcast. I'm John Carlin, your host. I call myself the Sark Fighter because of the podcast, but if you're listening to this, then we are all Sark Fighters. We're all in this fight together, and that's what this podcast is all about, a place for us to to gather and to listen to people's stories and to share some concerns and some laments and just kind of hear how life is going for other people who are also suffering with this disease, or maybe some hopeful information from the people who are helping us to fight this disease, the researchers and our doctors and so forth. So this is episode seven, and today I'll be talking with Cheryl Bradford of Queens, New York. Uh, Cheryl has a a severe case of sarcoidosis. She's not able to work anymore. Uh, She did share with me a little bit about the spread of sarcoidosis through her body, and I'll tell you just now that it is extensive if you want to compare her case to yours Um, and we'll talk more about that but it's in her bones and she thinks maybe it's moving to her eyes and it's it's not a good situation for Cheryl but she's doing great and again I wonder where people get the energy to do as well as they do. I also want to talk a little bit today before we get into the interview with Cheryl about methotrexate. Methotrexate is a, a, a drug that a lot of sarcoidosis patients uh, have had to take or do take. It's still commonly prescribed and um, it has made my life miserable for the last month, which is about as long as I've been taking it. And that's appeared um, through some yard work I've been doing. Uh, many people who listen to this podcast uh, know that I'm an avid cyclist. And, you know, even though I'm uh, pushing 60 and you can make fun of me for my age uh, and the, uh, the, the fact that uh, those of us who are elderly maybe nap a little bit, um, methotrexate has completely changed 
the way I look at napping, I pretty much can't walk past a couch anymore without taking a cat nap. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna uh, riff a little bit on methotrexate here in a minute. And and before I even get to that, I, I would like for you to start thinking about your experience with this drug, and maybe uh, be willing to share it. Maybe we'll we'll focus on that in an upcoming podcast, or you can you can send me your thoughts, and and I'll definitely read some of them uh, on the air here. Um, now, if you're new to the podcast, it's the Sark Fighter podcast. I explained what that's about. I have sarcoidosis, and and uh, I've met so many people who do, and I thought this would be a place uh, where we could talk about it, and that's what we've been doing. So this is episode seven, and my effort is you know, to, to get the word out there no matter where you are. Uh, I've become an advocate for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. I'm a big supporter of that organization. I've raised some money for them. Uh, did a bike ride last year, uh, raised about $4,500 uh, through our bike ride. And if COVID-19 relaxes it grip, its grip on the world, maybe uh, we'll be able to have our bike ride again this fall. And if we do that, then uh, I'll be asking for money again and hopefully raising some more money. But I, I'm a big fan of FSR and everything that they are doing. This podcast typically comes out every other Monday, but since April is Sarcoidosis Awareness Month, I'm releasing an episode every single Monday in April. So we've got uh, this Monday and then next Monday, and then we'll go back to every other Monday. So uh, please like the Sark Fighter Facebook page, and then on Instagram, I'm under the Sark Fighter, all one word. Please follow me, and I promise I will follow you back. So once again, today is Monday, uh, April the 20th, and the interview with Cheryl was recorded approximately two months ago, and we'll hear from her here just momentarily. But again, before I get to Cheryl, can I, can I talk about methotrexate for just a second here? Uh, I took methotrexate in the pill form uh, for about maybe three or four weeks right after I was diagnosed back in early 2016. Told the doctor I didn't particularly care for the way it made me feel. He kind of nodded his head. He said, yeah, I understand. There's several other drugs out there. Let's try something different. And at the time, I think we went to azathioprine and I stayed on azathioprine for a while. I won't get into to everything, but that was my initial entree to methotrexate. Uh, so I haven't taken it since. Well, uh, about a month ago, I had my visit with my doctors at the Cleveland Clinic, and I've been taking Humira with good success. They looked at my MRI because I have um, sarcoidosis on my spinal cord, and there's a mass there, and they've been trying to shrink it. And it's the, the Humira is working, but they felt like they still wanted to be more aggressive, so they wanted to pair the methotrexate with the Humira. Well, it's killing me. Uh, I, as, as I mentioned a minute ago, I just cannot get through the day without a nap. Now, I work from basically uh, 3 in the afternoon through the end of the 11 o'clock news, so 11.30. I'm a news anchor for WSLS 10 in Roanoke, and if you've been listening, you've heard me say that. But So I get off late, and I get home around midnight or so, and I usually read until I fall asleep, fall asleep and sometimes that's you know 1 o'clock in the morning. So uh, I don't want you to judge me. <laughs> like my wife does. But there are days that I sleep until, you know, 9, 9.30. Even lately, it's been 10 o'clock with the methotrexate. Uh, and then I'll take a nap at 1 o'clock in the afternoon 
even if it's just for half an hour or 20 minutes or 15 minutes because I am so tired. And then I'll get in the shower and then I'll go to work and I'm, and I'm pretty good. But is that something that you have had to deal with if you've taken methotrexate? They say it can make you tired, but this is beyond tired. I'm, I'm just exhausted all the time. Like I just, all I want to do is lie down and go to sleep. Um, the other thing is, is that I am a cyclist. Uh, I have a, there's a link in the show notes to my bicycling blog and I'm a, I'm a pretty avid, avid cyclist, have been um, most of my adult life. Uh, and my workouts on my bicycle have just tanked. I was doing really well in March. The weather started to get nice. My wife has a Peloton, so I was riding indoors a little bit. I got outside, and I was like, wow, this is great. I was just on the Humera at the time. Hadn't started taking methotrexate yet. And whew, I got to tell you. And, and so for me, at this time of year, I can usually go out and ride 30 miles here in the mountains, have a pretty good ride, and and not feel too awful. Well, now, like today, we went out and rode 26 miles, and 10 of those were on a very flat rail trail, the New River Trail here in Western Virginia. Um, follows the, the New River, and it's, I mean, it's almost flat the whole way. So out of my 26 miles today, 10 of them were flat. The rest of them were actually pretty, uh, pretty vigorous climbing and descending. But anyway, I got home and I was just fried. And that is not typical for me. Um, and so I'm thinking, okay, it's got to go back to go back to the drug. And, and then yesterday, same thing. wasn't on my bike. Uh, I was mulching the landscaping around my house, around the shrubs and the flower beds and that sort of thing. I had five scoops delivered from the, the local mulch place, which is essentially a small dump truck load. They come and they put it in the driveway, and then uh, I move it back and forth with a wheelbarrow. And uh, my son came over and helped me for three hours, thank God, because I don't think I could have done it without him. And then after he left, I worked for another mm, probably four hours. And I, I, as I said to my buddy today, I said I was a puddle by the time the night was over. I, I was just an absolute puddle. I had no energy left. So I basically reclined onto the couch and stayed there. We watched Jumanji. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, this was the most recent one. Uh, and it's just good, easy entertainment. Uh, but I had no energy left. And then we got up today and went on the bike ride. And, you know, so now I'm back to the same thing. Um, so I am going to call my doctors or email them on MySpace and say, you know what, I am over this. Can we use a secondary drug after the Humira that is not methotrexate? And I'll let you know how that goes because we're all searching for that sarcoidosis life balance where we're taking enough drugs to keep the disease in check, but you really don't want to screw up your life in the process. And this business of being tired all the time, and, and I would also say that my um, brain fog has been worse. Uh, between those two things, and, you know, I mean, 
I like to ride my bike, but that's not that would not be a good enough reason all by itself. But you throw that in there, and the fact that I can't recover from doing normal household chores and working around the house, which is actually something that I enjoy, and you know, it's also got to get done. Um, I, I really think that I might be over methotrexate, so I'll let you know. All right, so today another sarcoidosis story. Cheryl Bradford. Cheryl, by the way, looks amazing, but Sark is doing a number on her. And like my other guests, she has agreed to share her sarcoidosis story here on the Sark Fighter podcast. And we will listen to the interview with Cheryl right after this. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter podcast. I'm joined today by Cheryl Bradford, uh, who is uh, another advocate with the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. In fact, she's got a lot more experience with the group than I do. And she's agreed to share her sarcoidosis story here today on the Sark Fighter podcast. Cheryl, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Sure. So uh, how long have you had sarcoidosis and when did you first know that you had it? I was diagnosed in October of 2001, but it went in remission, and it snuck back in about 2009. Okay, Mm -hmm. and where do you have it on your body? Oh, well, I have it in my lungs, my skin, my eyes, my heart. My just got diagnosed that it's in my bones, and they're looking, they think it's in my eyes. Wow, so how do how does that affect your day-to-day life? Oh, my gosh. Um, there's There are days where I just can't get out of bed. I'm in so much pain because especially, you know, in the bones, it's like no kind of pain medication works. They even went as far as sending me home with Percocet. That doesn't even work. So I'm in the bed for, like, the whole day just in pain, just dealing with the pain. And... That's like a normal day for me. And and you say in your bones, is it in all of your bones or some of your bones? I mean, how does that how does that even work? Well, I, you know, I, I thought I was getting better. You know, you have your days when you're feeling well, and so I decided to go to the gym. And all of a sudden, like, the next day, my arms was hurting, so I thought I pulled a muscle. So I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, if it's still hurting, to come back in a month. And he sent me home with pain medication. Months went by, still hurting, took an x-ray, he didn't see anything, took an MRI, excuse me, and that's when we found out that it's in my bone, but they never really told me where, they just said it's in my bone, so I know it's in my arm, I know definitely in my legs, because there are times where I came and walk, actually, my bad, I should have, I have a cane, I just don't like using it. Well, you know, because you feel self-conscious, yes, right? Yes, Everybody stares at you. Just like when I used to wear um, oxygen. I used to be on oxygen 24 hours. Everybody just stare at you. So I felt a little self-conscious. But I still use it when I overexert myself. Right. Where's home for you? New York. Queens, New York. Queens, New York. Okay. Um, 
So you have a caregiver. Yes, my sister. And what is her role and how does she help you? My sister actually lived um, not too far from me, three minutes away from me. And when she, oh gosh, I don't know how I could do it without her. Um, she's there at my house. She's helping me. Like she'll cook for me when I need it, um, help me clean, take me shopping. Just sometimes I can't do the basic things. So she'll help me with that. And and you've um, found a way that she can be compensated for that help. So she is like she's more than just a good sister. Not that I don't I don't want to take away the whole <laughs> sister who loves you part. Yes. But she's she's been able to get compensation so yes. she can help you away from her job or her work or whatever she has to do. Yes. How does that work? Well, um, I actually was watching TV and I saw something called Freedom Care on on a commercial saying that they can have a loved one take care of you. So I called, and you have to have Medicaid. Uh And, you know, it was a process, but we finally got it. It took over a year, but Uh we finally got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's that's enough to make a difference to help her out a little bit? Exactly, because she works as well. So it's hard for her. We don't realize how much it it is on our caregivers. So she works, and she comes after work, and she comes to my place. And she's tired, especially when I'm in a hospital. She would stay in the hospital to about 12 midnight, 1 o'clock, and she has to get up. And she's a teacher, so she has to get up and go to school and work with kids. And that's that's a lot. So, I mean, that's the least I could do, let her get paid for that. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Now... We're talking about sarcoidosis, uh, Cheryl, and, and it's, so it's a f- we've talked about how it's impacted your body, mm-hmm. but how has it impacted your life? For instance, are you able to, to work anymore? or? No, I've been on permanent um, disability retirement for about um, almost two years. I worked um, in a, at the New York City Board of Education, I was the business manager, and um, it just was a lot. And my doctor, since 2013, didn't want me to work. But you know, you know, you just have society has you thinking you stop working at a certain age. Mm-hmm. So I just kept on working. But my last year, I was in a hospital like every month. And the one thing my doctor said to me, he said, "You keep on working, you're going to cut your life short." And that's when I had to really think about it, and I decided to do the disability retirement. Now, and folks, uh, if you're listening to this, Cheryl's not an old person. <laughs> I, I don't want to guess how old you are, but you you look like you're decades shy of what, what most people would consider retirement age. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm older than what I look. I'm, I'll be 49 um, in April. Okay. Yes. Well, you look younger than that. Thank you. But uh, a lot younger. But even even at that, uh, you know, forty nine. That's that's an awful early. That's when most people are kind of hitting their stride. I, yeah. I you know stopped working, so that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You talk about sarcoidosis in your eyes. What is that like? What I mean, how do you how do you know that? Is your is your because you're not wearing glasses right now. How's your vision Glasses does not work for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unfortunately, they did give me prescription, but it does not work. Um, my eyes are, I'm sensitive to light. Um, blurry vision. There's times I wake up in the morning and it feel like there's like a scale over my eyes. So we have been 
running tests and they really believe that it's so, so. Actually, when I go back to New York, I have another appointment. So, mm-hmm. yeah, to get the really diagnose of it. Right. And yeah. and then the sarcoidosis in your lungs is probably, you said you were on oxygen for a while. So is that what impacts oh, you the most? Yes. Um, when I was first diagnosed, it was in my lungs. And it was so bad that um, they wanted to do a double lung transplant. But my insurance said she was not well enough. She was dying. Why give her new lung, new lungs? So they basically sent me home to, you know, to die. So um, I get a little emotional, so I'm sorry when I talk about this because, you know, just to hear hear that is just, you know, wow, they said I was dying, so don't give her lungs. And um, I also found out, you know, that I have fungus in my lungs. So they, um, it was, so it was worse. So fungus, holes, scarring, that was just, so I was on oxygen 24 hours. And, um, but, you know, I'm a fighter. And day by day, day by day, and the oxygen will get less and less. Um, now I'm to the point where I still have the fungus. There's one of the size of a golf ball on my left lung. The doctors wanted to take out my left lung. So we ran some tests because the first thing I asked, well, what would be my quality of life if you take out the lungs, the left lung? So we ran tests and they said the quality of life will be maybe on a ventilator, maybe bedridden, maybe you, you won't be able to do what you're doing now. So I decided to just put that on the shelf for now. You know, I'm still open to it, but right now, I'm, as you can see, I'm living, you know. I mean, to look at you, yeah. you're not walking with your cane. You're walking around. I wouldn't even know you're sick. Yeah, a lot of people. That's, that's Which is what people say to me, yeah, too. Yeah, that's kind of like my pet peeve. Right? <laughs> you know, because when you don't look sick, people don't think you're sick. They don't believe you when you're telling them that you don't feel well. Right. So, you know. And that's a sarcoidosis thing. I've is. heard that from everybody it here is. at the conference. It is. It really is. There were times where... I was at work and I'm short of breath and I'm just, or, you know, with sarcoidosis, one minute, I know with me, I could just feel fatigue for a few minutes and then back to normal. And when I'm um, feeling that way, they go, oh, maybe you just went to bed late last night or maybe you just, and I'm like, no, this is sarcoidosis. So, you know, I, yeah, I get that all the time. You don't look sick. (laughs) Wow. So, uh, you know, I guess uh, as, a, as a reporter, I buried the lead because I didn't even know to ask you the question about they sent you home to die. Yes. And you know, for people who are listening to this who maybe have had a similar experience or maybe they don't know what they're in for with sarcoidosis, mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit more about how that conversation went between you and the doctor when he gave you that information and, and all of a sudden... You realize yes. that the doctor says they're out of options? Yes. I, I was in the hospital for 45 days, and half of the time I was in ICU. I remember they calling my family and telling them to come to the hospital as soon as possible. My family came, and I was semi-conscious. You know, when you could hear, and I'm hearing them telling my family that we don't think she's going to make it through the night. Look at the way she's breathing, and we're giving her the most oxygen, and it's still not helping her. And I made it through the night, and I remember one doctor saying to me, um, you need a double lung transplant, like, right now. We need to put you on the list. 
and they called my pulmonologist, which is in the city. Um, they kept in touch with him. I was in the hospital on Long Island, New York, and mm-hmm. my um, pulmonologist is in Manhattan. And so they kept in contact, and they were conversing, and um, my pulmonologist said, okay, we're going to put her on a list. And then he gave me the call, and he said, I need your insurance. I need everything. Gave him all the information, and he um, called me back like probably two weeks later. Spoke to my family, spoke to myself, my you know to me, and he said my my doctor is very transparent with me, and he mm-hmm. said I'm going to tell you the truth. He said your insurance rejected you because he said to tell you the truth, they feel that you're too sick, you you are going to die, and he said there's nothing we can do, and that was just um, it, it hits you mentally. It's like, you know, I have I have a child, you know, I have a you know, I have family. And so you just think like what what's what's gonna happen now? How you know, my life is just what's gonna happen? I'm dying. So um I went into a depression stage. So when they sent me home, you know, my family's like, you have to move around, you have to do something. I'm like, I'm dying. Doesn't make sense. So I just laid on my couch and didn't eat. I would, that's how I felt. I'm dying anyway. But then I spoke to, you know, my daughter, my family, and I said, they said, we, we, you know, we are fighters. The Brathers are fighters. So let's let's stop it and let's get it together and let's fight. And if it wasn't for my family, I don't think I would be here. So you pulled out of it. Yes, I pulled out of it. And were they giving you prednisone or methotrexate oh, or Remicade? I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm, prednisone. I'm on, like, a cocktail of medications. And um, the prednisone, that's, to me, that's like, <laughs> I don't know if you have been on it before. So it, I was, like, almost, I was 208 pounds mm. on prednisone, and I'm short. <laughs> what, I mean, so how, you gained... I don't want you to tell your weight now. You never ask a woman to age hey, or her no, weight. And I already asked you your age. But I mean, so you probably gained like 40, 50, 60 pounds? 60 pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I kept on telling the doctor, I'm breathing like this because I'm so overweight. You need to take me off. But I understand, you know, the prednisone does help. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I call them the devil's tic it, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, it's funny, you're alive, but nobody wants to be around you. You you just lash out at people. You got a hair trigger. Was that how it was oh, for you? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, you do go through that stage of lashing out. Yeah. My sister, or my caregiver, she can tell you. <laughs> she could tell you. There was times where she was just like, you know, you, you, you know, you have to get it together. I understand that. It's, it's just hard. You know, you, I lived a healthy life. I went to work. I worked out. I was in a gym. All the time. I you look directed. very fit. Um, yeah, I was active, and yeah. I was in the gym. That was like, you know, that was my thing. And five days a week, and just to get sick, and you can't do any of these things, it's just, it's, you know, you're angry. You go through the stage of, of anger, depression. Why me? You know, you go through that. I'm a good person. I, I try to live a good life. Why me? You got these people out there that's, you know, you, you just, everything just go through your mind. But um, it has to be a reason for everything. And um, one thing I have to say is my 
family is a faith-based family and um, prayer, a lot of prayer. That also got me through as well. Wow. So um, which, uh, where, where, where is your medical center? Where's your doctor? Mount Sinai. Okay, I'm mm-hmm. hearing that a lot from folks. Yeah. They're, they're a good place to go for sarcoidosis. Yes. Um, one thing, I, it took me years to get to him. Um, finally, I went to him, another doctor referred me. And when I went to him, he sat there and he basically interviewed me. Uh-huh. And every time he asked me, he's like, I'm telling him my story. Then he would go, what? And then what? And I would tell him, and then what? And I was getting so angry. I'm like, why? You just need to check me out. Why? Then what? So finally he sat back and he said to me, he said, your situation could have been so much better. He said, these doctors didn't know what they were doing. And he was like, you are grave. You're in a grave condition. I'm going to try my best to help you. And that's like blew my mind when he said that. Um, a lot of doctors don't know about this. Mm-hmm. And he specialized in sarcoidosis. So it's um, a blessing. He's still my doctor. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you mind sharing his name? Oh, Dr. Morgan Thau. Okay. Yes. And he's at Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. All right. Because uh, I, I think a lot of people are looking for that good sarcoidosis yes. doctor. Actually, he's he. I don't know if he still is, but he was on a board of FSR. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Great. So how do you help with your outreach now as an ambassador slash advocate is our new word here? <laughs> well, um, I just became, well, last year was my first year, but I've been dealing with FSR for a while because I've been doing walks. Mm-hmm. So I do 5K walks. Um, I also help a lot of people who has sarcoidosis and don't know what to do, where to go. I will refer them to FSR. Or, you know, so that's basically why I do. I, I refer them. I, I do walks. I've been trying to do a support group. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to get everybody together. <laughs> right. I'm, yeah. I'm also trying to, as we speak, trying to launch a support group in, in Roanoke, Virginia. Okay. So uh, do you have a walk scheduled for 2020? No. Um, the reason why I have a procedure um the beginning of April, so that's going to put me in a little bit rest for a while. Got it. Yes. Got it. But I'll Is be the, back next year strong. <laughs> okay. Well, let us know, and yes. we'll put the word out through the podcast for Thank sure. You. What... Um, What's your next procedure? Is that something you want to talk about? Oh, sure. Um, Well, I have, um, I cough up blood. So, um, yeah, so I have to monitor it. And they said if it's more than like a teaspoon, I have to go straight to the emergency. Because the the fear is that I might drown in my blood. So um, they think it's the, they're not sure. They think it's the fungus that's causing me to bleed. They're not really sure. So what they are going to do is go to my groin and try to see where the bleeding is and try to stop it. So that's a little, they say I will be sore for a little while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you, won't be, uh, you won't be doing any 5K walks. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. All right. Cheryl Bradford, thank you so much for being thank here on you. the podcast today. Thank you. So thanks to Cheryl. Uh, she, by the way, is also active on social media. And I will put some links to uh, her contact information in the show notes. Once again, please share the Sark Fighter podcast. Let me know your methotrexate stories either in the comments or you can email me. My address is in the show notes as well. We're still in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis. Please be safe. Please be well. 
If you've got SARC and you're taking these medications, we all know that we're immunosuppressed, so we've got to be extra careful. So, so please do that. And maybe next time we'll talk a little bit more about COVID-19. Our previous episode uh, dealt exclusively with COVID-19, so you might want to check that out if you're just finding the podcast now and you're, you're starting to look for um, some back episodes on the topic. Okay, till next time, keep fighting.